Well, I'm not Dennis. Steve prayed for Dennis opening the word. I think it'll cover me. You know, the last time that happened that I didn't get prayed for, I think it was right after my daughter Hope was born because I didn't show up to preach. So I, I guess there was a lack of confidence that when I was down to preach, I might not come. But anyway, I'm here. Uh, well, I know some of you are sports fans, uh, others maybe not so much, uh, but this past Thursday night was the first major sporting event in the U.S. Uh, since the pandemic began nearly five months ago. It was the first Major League Baseball game of a late starting season, and one sports commentator had this to say about how the game went. In the most 2020 way, the game was called in the sixth inning because of bad weather. I mean, come on, 2020, you're so cold-blooded. And, you know, you've probably come across uh, some great quotes and memes out there uh, bringing a bit of, of needed levity in the midst of uh, the weightiness of everything. And so I've, I've appreciated some of the, the humorous commentary. And so I'm going to share with you a few more quotes. Scientists have discovered that one dog year does not equal seven human years, but the year 2020 does equal seven human years. Now, Kathy Buell actually corrected that claim, saying that, uh, no, actually 2020, in 2020, it's one month that equals seven years, and it definitely feels that way. So another one, things may be tough now, but hey, look, there's always light at the, at the end of the tunnel. Unfortunately, in 2020, it looks like the light at the end of the tunnel is a lightsaber held by Darth Vader. And you know, this year would be the first summer uh, we don't go to Barbados because of COVID-19. Uh, usually we don't go because we can't afford it, but it's nice to have a different reason. And finally, 2020, I can't believe we stayed up late and shouted Happy New Year for this. <laughs> so again, uh, some, some needed levity in the midst of challenging times. But then I came across one quote uh, this past week that uh, really grabbed me in a different way. Rather than bringing about light-hearted humor, I would say that it, it brought me convicting perspective. One person wrote this, 2020, it was supposed to be the year I got everything I wanted. Instead, it's become the year I'm learning to appreciate everything I have. 2020 was supposed to be the year I got everything I wanted. Instead, it's become the year I'm learning to appreciate everything I have. Yeah, convicting perspective. Because I, I know for me, as I, as I read that, I realized that so often I, I'm more focused on what I don't have right now, uh, rather than being thankful for what I already have. And the truth is, I already have what I most need. But you know, so often we're like the Old Testament people of God, living in the wilderness after having been rescued by God from Pharaoh out of Egypt. They're grumbling, complaining, despite God's 
great provision. Well, what we're going to see today is God's great provision, not only for them, but for us. Last week, we heard Jesus ask that famous question, who do you say that I am? And this week, we get to hear one of his answers. Today, we hear Jesus declare, I am the bread of life. I am the bread of life. Now, if you're familiar with, with John's gospel, then you probably recognize that is the first, uh, or at least one, of Jesus' famous I am statements. Uh, it's found in John uh, chapter 6, uh, which is where we're going to be today, and specifically verses 25 to 35. Well, let's pray, and then we'll hear this part of God's word. Lord, we do thank you uh, once again today, uh, this morning. We thank you for your life-giving word and that you are the living word, the bread of life. And so we ask now, we ask that you would feed us, that you would speak into our hearts and lives that we might see and believe. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. And so John chapter 6, beginning with verse 25. Hear the word of God. When they found Jesus on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me. Not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. Do not labor for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. For on him God the Father has set his seal. Then they said to him, What must we do to be doing the works of God? Jesus answered them, This is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he has sent. So they said to him, then what sign do you do that we may see and believe you? What work do you perform? Our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. They said to him, Sir, give us this bread always. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. And this is God's word. A familiar statement, phrase, I am the bread of life. Well, let's talk about it. And let's uh, let's first talk about what Jesus 
is saying here and then about what our response should be. And so first, what is Jesus saying here? What does he mean? And to begin answering that question, it's helpful to remember the big picture of John's gospel. In particular, to remember that the first half of this book, it is built around seven signs or miracles. And they are all pointing to Jesus as Son of God and Savior of the world. Likewise, there are seven I Am statements, some of which correspond to one of the miracles. For example, and and also in our case, take the the feeding of the 5,000, which you'll find at the very beginning of chapter 6. That miracle, that sign, corresponds with Jesus' statement about being the bread of life here in the middle of chapter 6. And another thing that John does is he also highlights Jesus' use of physical realities to teach spiritual truths. For example, the physical reality of bread, teaching us about the spiritual truth of God's provision. The bread of life, it's about sustenance, daily sustaining sustenance. And if you think about the prayer that Jesus taught us to pray, Jesus taught us to ask for our daily bread. And we see that the feeding of the 5,000, which again, Jesus did earlier in chapter 6, that this echoes God's great provision of manna that we read about all the way back in the book of Exodus. So then here in, in John 6, Jesus teaches the people by reminding them of how God fed his people for 40 years as they wandered in the desert. When bread literally came down from heaven each and every day. And yet, that generation perished. And though there there is similarity between the manna and Jesus, the point is actually one of contrast. Jesus is saying, yes, your fathers ate manna in the wilderness. And they died. But there is now something that has come that is even more glorious and is lasting. And it is me. I have come down from heaven. I am the bread of life. Eternal life. And you see, we all eat physically and spiritually. Again, physical realities teaching us about spiritual truths. And at our very core, we are all creatures who crave. Every one of us, creatures who crave. That that is, all human beings have, we have longings. Everyone has cravings that need to be satisfied. And why? Well, that's because that's how God created us. And here, Jesus focuses on our deepest need, our greatest longing, our craving to know God, to feast on and enjoy that which is lasting. Those who believe in Jesus 
have this spiritual hunger satisfied. But are you trying to satisfy yourself with other things, with, with things of this world, with things that ultimately won't satisfy? It's often where we run, what we look to. But Jesus says, don't, don't settle. I am the bread of life. Feed on me. Jesus says, your greatest longing is to know and be known by me. And so come and believe and feed on me. So years ago, I was uh, talking about this passage with an, an older friend and spiritual mentor, and he said this to me. Camper, one of the soul's functions is to yearn. To yearn in order for us to know that true life is more than what this world can give us. And what we see here is that Jesus is the answer to the deepest need of the human heart. He is the full and satisfying sustenance for which your soul most deeply hungers, most deeply craves each and every day. He is our bread of life. Okay, so that's just a quick look at what Jesus is saying here. But then how do we respond? What, what does that mean for us? How do we respond to that truth? And so that leads to our next point. And so second, what should our response be? What are we to do? And isn't that the question that we all ask in just about every situation? What do I need to do? Just tell me, what do I need to do? And guess what? That, that's the same question that the people ask here in John 6. So in, in verse 27, Jesus exhorts the crowd. He says, do not work for the food which perishes but work for the food which endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. And when Jesus uses the word work, he triggers something. It's a trigger. It's a popular word in my household, isn't it? You triggered me. So he triggers them. It, it triggers in, in the religious mind uh, the, the whole idea of good works, works done to earn or at least to maintain God's favor. And so then the people ask, okay, Jesus, then, then what must we do to be doing the works of God? And notice they say works, plural. And yet Jesus answers, verse 29, this is the work, singular. This is the work of God that you believe in him whom God has sent. Did you hear that? Only one work. Only one work can ultimately please God, and that work is to believe in Jesus, to act in faith on Him. Okay, something else that, uh, that John does here, another literary device that he uses 
Now, John often records Jesus' use of, of tangible images for believing. Word pictures, what it looks like to believe. And so here we have a physical, a tangible image of what it is to believe in Jesus. And what is it? Eating. Eating something that we do every day. And what he's getting at is that eating is believing. Eating is believing. Jesus is saying that spiritually we must feed on him. That just as physically we must eat to live, so also spiritually we must eat to live. Now, the Christian life, it, it begins the first time that we eat. The first time that we eat of this bread of life. The first time that we turn to Jesus in true repentance and faith. And it's at that point that the bread of life uh, nourishes the soul with eternal life. But how does Jesus secure that forever life? Well, we sang about it a minute ago. It's by dying in our place for our sins on the cross. That's how he secures it. And so that's what he's getting at later in, in the chapter, in verses 40 and 51, for example, that he has given us eternal life by giving himself, sacrificing himself in his physical body on the cross. And so there will come a day when all of those in Christ will never, ever hunger or thirst again. But what about now? I mean, what about today? Because eternal life is not just a future grace, but also a present grace here and now. You see, Jesus is our bread of life, not only for tomorrow, but also for today. Verse 35. Jesus says, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall never hunger. And whoever believes in me shall never thirst. Whoever feeds on me, whoever eats of the bread of life, you'll never hunger. You'll never thirst. Now, I don't know about you, but for me, th this is a place where I'm challenged in the text. Because this is a place where I struggle. I mean, there, there are times that I, I'm spiritually dry, and weary, restless, desperate. Times when I am terribly hungry and thirsty. And, and I'm talking about those times where I'm, I'm hungering out of a place of emptiness. And, and yet Jesus says here, come to me and never hunger. Believe in me and never thirst. Never? Really? I mean, am, am I missing something? Because I've come to Jesus. I, I've believed in him, and yet still, there are times when, when I hunger and thirst. And so, so what's the deal? Well, the deal is this. It's the tense 
of the verbs. The tense of the verbs, come and believe. You see, in Greek, they're in the present tense. Okay, and this connotes a continuous action, not just a one-time action, not just a one-time event, but a continuous action like with eating. Okay, you don't just eat once and then get on with life. No, but rather eating is something that we have to continually do each and every day to live well. So here Jesus is saying, Continue to eat. Continue to feed on me. Jesus says, whoever keeps coming to me, you won't hunger. Whoever keeps believing in me, you'll never thirst. Okay, so so think back again. Those Old Testament people of God living in the wilderness. And God provided for them when? Every single day. Every single morning. They had to go and gather The manna, they had to keep gathering it, not just once, but every day. God provided and they received and they were nourished. And here Jesus is saying, I am the bread of life. Come to me. You need to come to me. You need to believe in me each and every day. Not just once and then getting on with your life. But come to me every day, and I will feed you. And so, you see, when when we find ourselves empty, and sometimes when when we find ourselves hungering too much for the bread of, of this world, which perishes, it often means that we've stopped daily feeding on our daily bread. And so Jesus says, Keep coming. Keep believing every day. Pastor James Boyce uh, tells the story of a a British man who in the early uh, 20th century was making his way across the ocean uh, to come to America. The man had purchased passage on one of the great ocean liners. He didn't have much money, so he decided to save on food by stocking up on crackers, cheese, and fruit before his departure. Well, the ship sailed from England, and he began to eat his meager meals. This went fairly well for the first few days, but as the ship drew closer to the U.S., the crackers became increasingly stale, the cheese became moldy, and the fruit spoiled. And so finally, there was nothing left that was fit to eat. Well, the man decided that he was going to have to spend some of his money, which, again, he didn't have much of. And so he went to the dining room to have one good meal before the ship docked. Now, imagine his surprise to discover that nothing in the dining room cost him anything extra. It had already been paid for. It had already been covered in the price of his ticket. We so often don't realize that saving faith includes sustaining faith. And so often we stop feeding 
on Jesus, who is our daily bread. Brothers and sisters, Jesus calls you to come and believe the very first time. And also to keep coming and to keep believing all the time. And he promises, I am the bread of life. I am your bread of life. I am the full and final satisfaction for every human soul, including yours. And so feed on me. Feed on my word. Chew on the truth and grace of my gospel. Keep coming. Keep believing every day. For I give you myself as living bread. Take and eat. Let's pray. Well, Lord Jesus, we thank you. We thank you for giving yourself in love for us, for feeding us the bread of life. That we, that we might be strengthened for today and that we might be filled with hope for tomorrow. And so we ask now that through your sufficient grace, oh Lord, would you help us to keep coming and keep believing every day. Amen. Now please stand for our closing hymn.